Hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing you a much requested review. We are. That's right. We, we actually are. got more yeah. than a few requests for us to review Queen and Slim, starring Daniel Kalua and... Jody Turner-Smith. Jody Turner-Smith. Yeah, yeah. Written by Lena Waithe, directed by Melina Matsukas. Yes. And brought to you on the Michelle Mission by our very special guest. Yes. The founder and head muckety-muck of the Black Star Film Festival. It is Mayormi, Mayori Carmel Holmes. <laughs> Perfect. See, plot twist. He messed up your first name now. <laughs> Fine. Hey, Mayori, how are you doing? Hey, Mayori. Hi, I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, welcome. This is this is a big deal. We love Black Star. We are huge Black Star fans. Thank you. Black Star Film Festival, which is every year here in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. a celebration not only of independent um, Black voices in the film, but also in short film and in music. And it's been going on for five years, I believe now. Eight. Eight years. (laughs) In those posters behind you. There's eight posters, Vince. There, there, are, there are. Look, there's one for every year. Look, look, I'm just happy to be in the space. I'm still. I can't even believe we're in. I, I love Black Star. Oh, thank like, you. Like, I love what you all do. Thank you. So impressive and inspiring. Thank you. And you're a filmmaker yourself. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not as often as I'd like, but yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, we actually were surprised. Me and Vince were talking, and we were actually surprised to be able to um, hook up with you live in person because the last that we had known, we thought that you might be working out of L.A. Um, so I, I had moved to Los Angeles in 2018, um, basically the calendar year from January to January, and then um, I now am in L.A. about once a month. Okay. okay. I'm doing um, some. I'm trying to figure out how to describe it, but basically like film and television project development with uh, a couple of folks that I probably shouldn't talk about. But no, no, um, no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, congratulations. Thank you. We're very happy and dare I say proud of you. It's like, <laughs> Thank you. Come on, girl. Do your thing. Thank you. So you are bad. <laughs> well, we are certainly happy to have you with us for this episode. Thank you. I'm Especially to, to talk about Queen and Slim. I think this is a serious film. And, and, you know, it's good to have somebody here. We can talk about it seriously. <laughs> Why did you choose this film to for your um, to be reviewed here on the? Because all the other films I wanted to do had been taken. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, let me choose a new one because hopefully no one's done that one yet. <laughs> now, Mary, usually we're the ones that let don't let them know how the sausage is made. You didn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think I was interested in talking about the film because it has been such a lightning rod um, for the past two months since mm-hmm. it's come out. And, um, you know, I thought it'd be fun to talk about it. Queen and Slim tells the story of two, a couple who meet on a, a Tinder date um, and then it slides into the worst Tinder date of all time. The worst after, Tinder date of all time? Uh, when there is a a police stop and ensuing violence and a white officer is killed. And then we are, we are, uh, have two people on the run for their lives and all of the, I don't want to say adventures, but the things that happen experiences, experiences that happen for them and for a country after that. Uh, It's a movie, like you said, Mayori, that has been proven to be very provocative in the last couple of months since its release, despite people saying that it it has um, whiffs of films from before, such as like Bonnie and Clyde, sure. and Thelma and Louise, Louise and, and stuff like that. Um, it still is very much of its time, uh, irregardless of that. And it's a film that for some reason, I, I, it still astounds me. People are surprised by the, the ending of. Which is, is probably a good moment to say, I'm, I'm going to invoke host privilege. Periodically, we give spoiler warnings and because we we are a spoiler laden show 
if you have not seen this film, I suggest that you see it. Oh yeah. Before yeah. you listen to this episode. Yeah, so, do not listen to this review. So so first. go ahead, you know, listen to the last dragon episode and watch the film and then come back. Don't watch The Last Dragon. You can just listen to that episode. <laughs> and then come, but go watch Queen and Slim and then come back to this episode. I mean, they can watch The Last Dragon. They don't need to watch it. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Hey, missionaries, we want to invite you February 27th, 2020. The Michelle Mission is doing a live event. We're doing our 200th episode and we are reviewing Shaft, which will be followed by a 70s soundtrack soul train dance party DJ by international DJ himself, Scheme Richards. It all takes place at World Cafe Live here in Philadelphia. Tickets are on sale at bshowmission.com or worldcafelive.com. Right now, get them, drink specials, having fun, come dressed in the 70s. I got my bell bottoms. I bought Vincent Afro <laughs> with mutton chops. There you go. We're going to have a ball. That's right. See you there. to respond to me. I sent you a very well-crafted message three weeks ago. And today, out of the blue, you hit me up asking if you want to grab dinner. What changed? I didn't feel like being alone. Not tonight. So you turned to Tinder. So what happens tonight? Did you think we were going to have sex? <laughs> no. I thought we were going to hang out, maybe get to know each other. Field execute a turn signal back there. Go ahead and ask you to step out of the vehicle for me. Could you please hurry up? What did you say? It's just cold. Get on the ground! Keep your hands where I can see them! Why is he under arrest? Get back what is your badge number? Chill! Just chill! I'm reaching for my cell phone! Now let's go! Whether you're a brother away, the you're a mother, you stay Cop killers! Cop killers! It was self-defense. We're in the black money and Clyde. Feel the city breaking and everybody shaking up with stuff. How you gonna outrun the police? We don't have to outrun them. We just have to make sure they don't know where we are. This is Kentucky, my friend. There's some war going on out there. Are you welcome this into our home? Is this y'all? Y'all really gave us something to believe in. We need a death for real. Let them go! I got a new Black Panthers. Power to the people. All we can do is go forward. There is nothing back there for us. Let's just keep going. What if a guy wanted me to die and I messed up his plan? I don't think that's what he wanted. How you know? I just think you were meant to be here. I'm scared. It's all right. I'll be brave enough for the both of us. I'm taking you dancing. Let's go. You're willing to risk getting caught so we can dance? Hell yeah. Don't worry. You're safe here. I just want to let you know that I'm okay and that I love you. I want a guy to show me myself. I want him to love me so deeply. I'm not afraid to show him how ugly I can be. Thank you for bringing us this far. Thank you for this journey. No matter how it ends. What do you want? I want to ride or die. Can I be your legacy? You already are. So, Queen and Slim. Mm -hmm. Your chosen film. Mm -hmm. What would you like to say about Queen? What, what's, what are your thoughts on Queen and Slim? Or your, your, your opening statement on Queen and Slim? Oh, your thesis, if you will. I, oh, I wasn't prepared for your this. Your critique. Well, um, I think when I've only seen it once, so I want to start with that caveat. And generally, if I'm reviewing something, um, I want to see it multiple times because you don't catch everything the first round. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But I think between seeing this and then hearing so many, you know, discussions about it, I feel like I've seen it more than once, but I have not. Um, <laughs> I was uh, fairly, um, 
I wouldn't say traumatized. Um, mm. I'm not a millennial. <laughs> I don't want to say that I was like super sensitive and traumatized when I came out of the film. And no disrespect to millennials, but um, I was um, like kind of shaken emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I had to, it took me about a half an hour to kind of warm up to being able to talk about it. And I saw it with two other people, uh, one of whom is a filmmaker, the other is not. And the non-filmmaker immediately said um, that he loved it. He was like, this is amazing. And I was like, really? You know, like I was just kind of like, and I wasn't sure what I thought, but I was, my thought was not, it's amazing. You hadn't landed there. I had not, and I still haven't. I mean, and I, I, I don't always land there, but... You know, I saw another film recently, and I did feel that way. As soon as I left that film, I was like, I love this, you know. Really? Um, and that was Jojo Rabbit. But, um, you know, what I did like, what I do like about Queen and Slim is that I think the visual direction, I'm costume designer um, by training and really appreciate um, the art product, the art direction, mm-hmm. the costume design. Um, I love seeing these two dark-skinned black people mm-hmm. at the center of the frame of almost every single frame yes, loving yes. up on each other you know being in dialogue um and i do appreciate that it is this document if nothing else of this particular cultural moment the score by blood orange yes um or Devonte hines um the soundtrack i think is really incredible um so much of the film is like this document and i really appreciated that um I don't feel like the story is super strong. Right. There's some choices um, that I wasn't sure. So, with for instance, with the yeah, ending, there, there, there's a big choice. There's a, there's a lot of choices. There, I was about to say there are actually <laughs> um, lots of choices. But one of them that I was curious about that wouldn't take away from the story. I wasn't sure that I needed to see their murder. You know, like that oh, was something yes. that I was like, um, okay, they don't make it, but we don't need to see it. Right. And then I was so it was like a couple of those things where I was questioning for myself um, if I, you know, trying to figure out how I felt about the film versus where my emotional center was about it. I don't I can't handle a lot of violence generally. Um, and so, you know, I was sort of trying to unpack. Obviously, Melina and Lena as artists get to do whatever they want. And so there's a way that I feel in many ways this is their film. And so let's take it or leave it. I don't appreciate the conversations that people have been having about some of the content of the film that isn't about like the form. Mm, okay. And so I have been trying to keep it about the form right. because we shouldn't have conversations. You know, someone said, well, they made, you know, they showed good cops and I don't like that. Well, so what? That was like a, a decision they made in their storytelling. Yes. Um, you know, the decision to have the young uh, man, the young, the, not even young man, the young boy, the 14 year old right. boy yeah. shoot at a cop. I mean, that felt like a really unfortunate storytelling device. Um, but I also can understand why they chose it, but it really seemed gratuitous and kind of unnecessary. Um, and so there were a couple of those things that I was just, again, not quite sure of. Um, but I think generally it was like a fine film. I don't hate it. I don't love it either. Right. Um, but I did really appreciate the things that um, I led with. You know, I think visually stunning. Um, the cast is visually stunning. Yes. Um, I am not sure um, how I feel about the choice of cast. Um, I am not um, on this like anti-British actor bandwagon. Like I'm okay. so over that conversation. Sure. However, However, I do think there are things that happen sometimes when actors... Um, I think it impacts their performance when they're putting on an accent. Okay. And so well, like, that's true. Yeah. I think about Penelope Cruz, who I thought was terrible in Vanilla Sky, and then I came to Almodovar later, and I was like, she's phenomenal. Exactly. And I think it's something she, about yeah, her absolutely. and Tandy Newton when they, when they put on their American accent, it really impacts their performance. Yeah. And yeah. I'm curious about Jody Turner Smith. I didn't feel that way about Daniel Kalu. I think he still delivered a very strong performance, um, and I also just really enjoy him as a sure. performer. Um, but but I was really curious about the choice to cast these two British actors in the middle of this controversy. Um, and maybe it wasn't. Maybe they were cast four years ago or something. I was about to say, maybe. But um, it, do, it did seem... Maybe a little tone deaf going with them at this at this time. Well, I wouldn't call it tone deaf, but it was just interesting, particularly when I've heard the director and the writer talk about, you know, it being this kind of like uh, tribute to black America. I was about <laughs> to say, it's, like, it's such an American story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. Yeah. Tonally. 
And so to cast people who don't necessarily have those tones, mm, right. I think is really interesting. But I mean, that's fine. I mean, African-American, the reason I don't like this um, argument is because African-Americans, specifically actors, have been taking other people's roles for a long time. We've benefited from being from Hollywood, so to speak. And sure. so an African character, a Caribbean character gets played by Denzel Washington, gets played by Angela Bassett. You know what right, I mean? And so right, we can't be upset right. in reverse. Yes, when our brothers and sisters from elsewhere are also, you know, beating us out. Like, it, it is right. a contest. It's not, mm-hmm. like, favors. Right. <laughs> you That's know what right. I mean? That's so, right. right. Um, yeah. So, anyway. No, no, no. I, I veered off from the review. But, I mean, my, my basic review of the film is that it was, you know, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> it you know? Fine. And I don't understand the polarizing effects. Like, people seem to really be upset sure. or to really love it. And I'm really confused at that. I think I've I've been I've been trying to untangle almost exactly what was I don't know what the through line was. Like like I don't know what what, what almost the, the, the purpose of 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 the whole exercise was because I think the film lays out this case or or at least the publicity and, and like you said when Lena Waithe and I always mispronounce that sister's name, Melina Mat- Matsukis. Matsukis, and you would hear them talk about it. And and there was, it, it, it was like, this is a film for this moment. And and as you said, to document this, 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 this moment, this specific moment, this Black Lives Matter moment, frankly. Mm-hmm. But then there are so many aspects of this film where it almost wants you to view this as a love story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in, 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 in a really deliberate way, the film never commits either, either way. way. Well, and, and that's obvious, right? At the climax of the film, <laughs> the literal climax, there's that sex scene overlaid with the protest. The protest. Exactly. And I was so like, it's so, I don't understand that choice. It's, right? it's almost schizophrenic because as a love story, you never get like, like, like we were joking. It's like the worst love story I've ever seen where you have these two people who were, I mean, they, it's right in the text. They were never going to see each other again. Mm-hmm. Like there was no connection between them. Mm-hmm. They don't like each other. Mm-hmm. And then for a large part of the film, there isn't a huge connection between them. And then finally they come to this space almost because the story dictated it mm-hmm. that they have to be together. Yeah. And then as this, and we've already name checked him, as this, this Thelman Louise, this, this Bonnie and Clyde, here's something that I pulled out. Did, did you guys ever see that 80s movie, The Legend of Billie Jean? No. You remember The Legend of I remember it's it. The same type of thing. Uh, I think it's like Helen Slater. Yeah. And and she gets into this conflict. I think a policeman ends up dead. She goes on the run. Mm-hmm. She becomes a folk hero. Mm-hmm. But this whole aspect of, of Queen and Slim becoming folk heroes mm-hmm. or, or, or icons of this movement, there wasn't enough of that for me. Like, like you, you have the young boy who said it. You have that moment in the bar where they say, you know, you all are safe here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're fine. But, but I never get this, this sense that it's really fleshed out. So that by the end, and, and I saw it almost a week ago, I don't really know where I was. Like, it's funny you said, where do you land? I don't know where I was supposed to land. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Like it's absolutely gorgeous. It's a yeah. gorgeous. Which, movie. which, which again, it's is uh, not surprising. Radcliffe is the cinematographer. And the cinematographer and and just the you know the work that Melina Matsukis Matsukis has done on Atlanta and and so that's not surprising at all. Uh, much like you, I, I think I, I think this this the the visual of these two dark skinned black people lit correctly. Mm-hmm. You, you know the, the the way they are they are centered in the frame. Mm-hmm. All of that is is admirable in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But at the end, I don't know where I landed on it. And and as far as people's people's reaction, oh, and and, and much like you, I didn't think they need to show the death. 
do you know? I, I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't saying that for oh. for certain, but I, I oh. question it. Oh well, I'm saying it. Yeah, I'm saying I don't know what that added to the narrative. And mm-hmm. again, if we're going to keep using these other films as 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 um, comparisons, you know, they don't show Thelma and Louise actually die. You know, you get that freeze frame. Mm-hmm. Bonnie and Clyde they die in the shootout, but this whole film is is a conversation about violence. Like the mm-hmm. whole film is about violence. So of course you show them die in, in this violent shootout. And you're talking about Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde. What'd I say? Oh. Well you said this film is yeah, all right, about Bonnie violence. And and something that we talk about uh, just just the power of that visual of the dead black body, which uh, which obviously is is a tool, which is obviously is a crayon in the box of crayons that creators use. But I, I think it's it's a crayon that that should be used very deliberately, very specifically. And sparingly. And sparingly. Yeah, I mean, I think in this moment, right, like this isn't an Emmett Till moment where, you know, I think Mamie Till using Emmett's photo is, is totally powerful yes. at that time. Mm-hmm. Yes. People didn't have a visual representation of what was happening mm-hmm. to drive them to action. And particularly, I think black people knew what that looked like, but white people did not. Right. And so white people in the North or white people in California or white people in these places, seeing Emmett Till's body, you know, sparks, helps to spark yes. what becomes that civil rights moment. Yes. Right. We are in a time where we've had five years of these videos of Alton Sterling and, um, you know, Trayvon Martin, and we can keep going and keep going and seeing dead black bodies. And I don't know that we needed it in this film in this way, because in some ways it like glamorizes it, you know, it like glamorizes their death because their death in, in many ways is, um, you know, they're heroes. They are heroes. And so for the heroes to die is a kind of glamour. Right. And so I'm concerned about what that means visually and what that means to young folks who are looking at it. Um, and also the other thing for me, which I guess some people have critiqued, is what does it mean for them to die politically? Does it mean that you can't actually have freedom? Right. When I don't mm-hmm. know that I want to get into that right. necessarily, but there is something about seeing them on the ground that I think kind of lives with you. I, I mean, I think I, I, I think that's a very important part point. And and as we you you put this in the continuum, the 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 most radical thing about Sweet Sweetback's badass song is that he got away. Mm-hmm. That was 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. So what does that say that we have this, this radical transgressive moment in 1970 and in 2019 somehow they can't escape? Or, well, or we're more cynical to, now right. because Very we true. have COINTELPRO. We have like right. we, mm-hmm. there's so many things that we know about that people right. didn't know about in 1970. You could imagine that you would be free. I don't right. think I wouldn't imagine that they would get away. I mean, I didn't think they were going to get away, but yeah. but but I do think again there are there are repercussions to the decisions mm-hmm. that yeah. they make. Right. I didn't think that they were going to get away either, but I kind of like agree with you as far as. The showing of their their death mm-hmm. is not something that you necessarily need. There's a there's a part of me that says, well, you're kind of trying to like you know put a period to the story, but like even if even if in your mind, even if the 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 setup is that they're going to die. So like, you know, it just looks like they're going to die and it's just not shown. Mm-hmm. Like, to, like to me, that's even, that's more powerful mm-hmm. yeah. of an ending. You know, we I could think hear I, the shots fired. Right, right. We didn't need to see right. it. We didn't need, need to see that. Now mm-hmm. I did read where, um, Lena and Melina, uh, uh I don't know them, Miss Waith and Miss Mitsukis, <laughs> right. uh, wrote how they specifically did want Queen to be killed by a white woman. I heard about that yeah. as well. Right, and yeah. she being a white cop and that being some commentary on uh, feminism right. here in right. 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can I can see that idea. I can see their rationale for th- for that. I don't think think that supersedes um, us not needing to see that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's a great idea. I think you just keep that in your quiver mm-hmm. for another moment. Because I'm not, to be fair, while 
watching it, I thought, hmm, that's telling that it's a white cop mm-hmm. that kills sure. her. I don't know if necessarily the message that they're trying to get across lands by scene. Right. And, and how many happened. people even remember that? That detail, that detail that it was a white I remember woman. that detail but I I would question I mean I hear their point um, but as someone who kind of like subscribes to an intersectional feminist lens if you shall I wouldn't even consider a cop a feminist your right. profession that, and, and then <laughs> that's the other thing right like, right that, that already precludes this project you know right. I mean right. and that's not fair I'm mm-hmm. sure there are cops mm-hmm. who identify as feminists sure, but sure. you know right right I wouldn't expect them to be on my liberation squad. You know what I mean? Right, right. right. Although that, I think that's a good way to pivot into something I'm interested in when you said you notice that detail, Mm -hmm. but you know, but frankly, you're a filmmaker, Mm -hmm. like like you, like this is what you do. Mm -hmm. And something that, that I was, I've been interested in is like Lynn and I talked, I think you just talked about it, how it was surprising to me how surprised people were that they didn't escape. Mm. And I think that says something about, and, and when I say we, I mean this, this sort of black conversation, frankly, mm. that is mm-hmm. going on around this film. I think that speaks to a lot of black people in our relationship with art. Mm. So that I think a lot of us come to it with this sentiment that, that life is hard, mm-hmm. like just life. So that I come to this for escapism. I come to this for a level of positivity. I come to this for, for something to distract me from life. And, 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 I, and I, I do think that there was a bit of, you know, I won't say bait and switch, but, but when the, the buildup to this film is, you know, these, these very defiant images of Queen and Slim and they're on the car. And it was all, like, I, I understand how you can come to this thinking that it was going to be this triumphant um, win, mm-hmm. if you will, as opposed to someone like like me or, or Lynn. It's, like I told Lynn, as soon as I saw the poster, oh, well, it's, it's Bonnie and Clyde. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Thelman. Like, I know how this is going to end. It's about the artistry of how we get there. But I, I just wonder how much of that has to be acknowledged in the conversation about specifically the the, the black filmmaker, the black artist, mm-hmm. and the black audience. Because we, we talk about this all the time. In my mind, this is what's at the center of the success of Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. Where, where, look, again, I'm black. Life is hard. I, I, didn't, I come to it. So if I, I like, I want to see a film where Kim Elise ends up with Shamar Moore and, and they do the electric slot at the end and then I'm happy. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish that black artists, particularly filmmakers were allowed to make whatever they needed to make. And so there's a part of me that, uh, wants to acknowledge the incredible hard work that went into making Queen and Slim. Um, and I think that it's their first feature, both of them, Lena yeah. Waithe and Melina Matsukis. Yeah. And it's an incredible accomplishment yes, as a first is. feature. Right, right, right. Yes, right. Just technically. Um, technically. Yeah, it's just well, technically, yeah. obviously it's well resourced. I think it costs $20 million. Yep. Like, so, you know, again, but that's not a hundred million dollars. So, you know, they made a kind of independent, a quasi independent film. It is technically proficient, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that it, they did a great job. And I wish that, um, we could just make, we could make films that were fine, you right. know, and I don't say that dismissively yes. in any way, but you know, not everyone's first film is going to be genius. Right. I think that you have to practice and you have to be able to make more and more films. And what happens with us is that we don't get the opportunities to make more and more. That's right. That first Absolutely. Film has to, you know, kick it, knock it out of the park. It has to be the second coming of whatever. Right. right. And, you know, that's just so much pressure. And yes. that is not just. No, <laughs> you know what it's I mean? Not. Like, it's I'm not. like, if we want to think about sort of justice um, or equity for uh, black and brown, um, and this also applies to women, like, we have to be able to make things that work, and maybe they don't. And then you get another chance. I mean, and we don't get those chances. I mean, that's the quote the movie, he, <laughs> Slim actually says it. Why do we always have to be excellent? Right. Why can't we just be ourselves? Right. 
Yeah. So it's like we're talking about these decisions, but they're Melina's decisions. And so if she wanted to show this death and she wanted to have that boy kill a cop and she wanted to intercut between the sex scene and the process, these are all her choices. Right. And that's fine. Right. And she should be able to make another film. You and, know? And, and I'm sure she will be able to. I'm, I'm absolutely sure but, she will. You know. And for the record, at least Lena Waithe has been very you know, I guess magnanimous in, in, ta- in, in saying that all of this criticism mm-hmm. is part of the process. Mm-hmm. It is. So. It is. It, 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 yeah, because there, there hasn't been any like defensiveness on there on no. and no. talking no. about it. It's like, because at the end of the day, you put your art out there right. for it to be talked about. Right. That's, that's and true. You, and you know, you're going to take the good with the bad. You, and as much of the conversation has been bubbling up about this film for the most part whether or not you agree with people's point of view it is people trying to be constructive coming to it right mm-hmm. you know i don't i at least i haven't found a whole lot of de- destructive you know conversation about it but the point i did want to speak about was about the young boy shooting the cop to me i actually um that actually kind of touched me in looking at this movie, especially as, you know, they do become like these quote unquote folk heroes uh, as they going across. And it's interesting, like they're going across like the American South um, in in many ways, the same, uh, you see kind of like the same views echoing from like Bonnie and Clyde right. uh, in this movie. Um, uh, and the, the, the thing that always bothered me about Bonnie and Clyde was heralding them as these big folk heroes who were demonstratively in their movies violent criminals mm-hmm. right you know at you know you know abhorrent people in in the way that they were living their lives mm-hmm. um despite how you know Bonnie talked about her mother yeah, um and um and that always kind of like like stuck in my craw a little bit, you know. Like, how are you going to like champion these people? They are, regardless of what you may think of police officers or people that run banks and stuff like that, these are still people. It's mm-hmm. still somebody's mother, mm-hmm. somebody's son that's getting shot dead in the streets. Mm-hmm. These two kids, you know, blatantly, it was it was self defense. What happens in the beginning? So, you know, they. Um, which we'll get into the decision that comes after that in a second. Um, but um, these two kids, for them to be, you know, put up as folk heroes, I think is, um, it seems at least a little bit more legitimate because it, it does come from a place of self-defense, but it is still something that is dangerous mm-hmm. because you don't know how people are taking in that. And I think having that that young boy showing how he is receiving that message. I actually thought that that was actually pretty powerful and a mm. lesson mm. for for kids nowadays. I actually um it, it it where some people didn't it felt that it was a little, you know, gratuitous or didn't like it being in there. I actually appreciated being in there. I thought that that was a a hard converse, a hard line to say, but something that needed to be said. Mm. I, I, I thought it was amazingly tone deaf and showed a complete misunderstanding about how any of this works. I, I think just historically, like I don't think there was not one, there's not one aspect of that entire plot point that made sense to me. Mm. Like this notion that this kid in this, from this household, you know, with this father who, you know, now he has a gun and, and he shot the policeman in, in the face because he, cause there's this misunderstanding of what Queen and Slim represented. I, I just thought it was grossly mishandled and, and it didn't make sense, you know, talk about things that it just didn't make sense to me because again, it doesn't work like that. Like, like, like we don't do that. Like nobody does that. So yeah. But I, nobody does what? What do you mean? That this this we're we're going to take you as 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 an inspiration, and now we're going to go out and and begin violence against random policemen. Hmm. Like that just doesn't happen. I, I I disagree with you, but as always, this is why the guest is here. Mayori, break the tie. <laughs> um. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's funny. I was listening to uh, Code Switch yesterday, and there was a guest podcast sort of on there, and they were talking about um, the moment when Cop Killer comes out and Tupac has another song. I can't remember the name of it, but the police in Houston were trying to invoke this as a as a in the def- not really in the defense, but as part of the reason a young black man shoots a, a white cop mm-hmm. because he's listening to these lyrics and they. It wasn't successful, but they tried to use they, they it. They tried to right. yeah. Yeah, sure. argue that case. And so I, you know, I don't know that it isn't possible for particularly a teenager who's, you know, they're insane. So it's like, and I mean, in mm-hmm. a good way, like, I don't know that if this had happened in real life, that it wouldn't mean some teenager wouldn't take that in and who's angry and trying to figure out how to have justice in the world wouldn't replicate that. Um, where it falls flat for me is that they had no platform. So I'm curious how they become these folk heroes for merely trying to save their own lives. Right. And they don't really, they're, they're on a poster and for what? What do they represent? Right. Yeah. That's- and that part I'm curious about, you know, would that happen if this were to happen? You know, it's basically Rodney King or someone like that becoming, mm-hmm. you know, um, the put on the face of a poster. He's not creating Black Lives Matter. They didn't you know, form a chapter, you know, that's the part that I'm curious about. But again, it's their world that they created and right. that's what they decided. I'm not sure that it, I don't believe the boy would have done that. I guess I would have wanted maybe a little more reasoned, you know, like maybe right. he was provoked because he definitely gets a good cop, right. you know, who tells him to go home. And so right. that was really heartbreaking to me. I thought maybe they were trying to, make a point about how um, even the good black cops get killed. Do you know what I mean? Like part of me was thinking about who's in the crossfire here, you know, because that was like a really tender moment. He's like, go home. Right. And then he doesn't. And, you know, then he gets shot and he gets shot. And I was like, this just feels like just macabre. Like, it's just like, it says we're all going down. Right. (laughs) right. I think that's why I was so challenged by the end of the film. I really felt like no one is going to be free. Right. No matter what. Right. And that was really challenging to hold. Um, the other film that this makes me think about that I haven't heard anybody really discuss is Easy Rider. And there's a way oh. in which, you know, they're changing their cars and the time that they, when they get out, they spend with these communities. That's the one that I keep thinking about. And I think about the political moment that that film is made in. Right. Um, and so there's, there's something there that I really want to think about more. Um, but, yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna <laughs> injure Ty here. No, it, it, it sounds it like sounds she, like you did. Yes, and she sounds like and she, 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 she was I with me. I think I'm more in the middle. I think I'm in the middle. No, 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 no. You're in Lundville, <laughs> and that's a great place to be. <laughs> Speaking of the world that they created here and the choices that are made in this world, so <laughs> we have a police officer that is shot. Clearly in self-defense. Yes. And, oh my God, how many times have we wished when these things happen that we might have another officer of the law with us? If only <laughs> I had my lawyer here and right. I didn't have to call my lawyer. Right. Right. To to So that I would definitely be like, yo, let's go. Or get good counsel. Yes. If only I had someone here to give me good counsel in the midst of this crisis. Are y'all going here because this character is a lawyer and she makes these poor decisions? Yes. That's exactly (laughs) what we're doing. Why, you're right, Mayori. (laughs) I I forgot about that. Queen is a criminal defense attorney. I believe the original working title was Adventures of the Worst Lawyer Who's Ever Passed the Bar. She is a terrible lawyer. I mean, she clearly doesn't believe in the process. <laughs> Which maybe is she the, shouldn't. You is, know, maybe she's beat down. Uh, okay, <laughs> maybe that's 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 part of her character. <laughs> like she's been broken. Yeah. by the law. Yeah, maybe. Let's just run. Yeah. Let's take the gun. Maybe with she's you. like, I've seen so many of these cases. I know you have no chance. I know you have. I know we have no chance. 
Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I was with Slim. I would have been like, let's let's see what we can do. Because yeah. I can't imagine being on the run. There's no, no way you win on the run. The run is not. You cannot plan a murder after you've killed somebody. No. You, no. You cannot. I mean, see, that's that's where I was like, oh, is this is the movie. And I took my hat off. And just like, all right, right, you just go with it. Oh, we're in Oz. Or even (laughs) after they realize they've been videotaped. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. I mean, that threw me out of it. That that honestly threw me out of the film. Yeah. I mean, of all the choices in the movie. And I have to say, I thought her characterization, I, I, I thought it was a bit of a disservice. As, as sort of this image of black women. And like I did, like, <laughs> Queen won cool. Queen, yeah, I wish y'all could see Mary's face. <laughs> I wish y'all could see me. I think I maybe touched a nerve. I feel like I touched a nerve. <laughs> She's like, oh, they're not going to make me go here on this. Mary, would you, would, you, would, you, would you like to talk about Queen's characterization? Because um, I'm a fan of black women. Yes. But you are a black woman. Yes, and so. I am also a fan. <laughs> and, and also a fan. Um, I was challenged okay. by her representation. Okay, it all right. It felt like she was showing up as this kind of stereotypically tired there it is. black woman with no time. She has no time for this date. She has no time to eat. You know, she has no time to... Um, sort of be present and I was really challenged by that that that's because I felt like Slim's character was empathetic yes sweet yes he was you know and so in contrast but I will say again kind of like with the black artist argument we have to have flawed characters that's only just she can't be perfect you know and so her character does change Mm -hmm. um, and we do see her go from hardened to softer and you know Black women have every right to be hard. And in, in, in her defense a little bit, if you walk in and you immediately are like not liking what you see. I mean, I would have walked out of that date. If right. you, you know? were queen or if you were slim. I wouldn't have been in that restaurant. <laughs> like, I am super bougie. So I can't imagine oh. <laughs> her being happy. Like, oh, this is where we eating? Okay. You know what I mean? So, I mean, uh, so you would have been like in a parking lot like. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, Send in that text real quick. But but I, I think to be fair, the queen's character is seems like this ice princess, so to speak. And there's a part of me that wants that to be allowed, right? Yes. And there's another part of me that's challenged by it because there's not a lot of representations of us. There's not a lot of representations of those of us who are dark skinned. And so to add to that, that this angry black woman shows up. You know, at first I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. But the artist in me is like, that's fine. It's just a character. Although right. we have seen a version of this character, like you said, there's not a lot of representation of black women and certainly not dark skinned black women. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this character. Right. But she gets to evolve. Several times. And so that, that to me is what's great is that she gets you to know, change. She does get to evolve. Yeah. She yeah. does. She, there's an arc for her. Yeah. So I, I will give you that as I, well. She don't believe in Jesus. She don't. She I mean, likes. She's not alone. She likes skinny. Not all of us do. She likes skinny Luther. <laughs> Who likes skinny Luther? Mayori, yeah, that's the other argument you can say. Where do you fall on the on the Luther scale? <laughs> let oh. me help you. She likes fat Luther because everybody likes fat Luther. <laughs> I, let me just say I like Luther. I, I make no um, decision about fat or skinny Luther. So I'm gonna be Switzerland on this one. I didn't know we were with a politician here. <laughs> Name one good song he made when he was Skinny Luther. I can't say. I know you can because we all love Fat Luther. <laughs> no, he made good. He made a couple. Name one. Um, amazing. I can't name any songs. Okay. So amazing he was still fat. Was he fat? <laughs> he I think was he was fat. slimming down. Fat Jerry Curl Luther. Well, see, my favorite Luther is not Jerry Curl Luther. My okay. Favorite, my favorite uh, Luther is No Perm Luther. Um, but Fat Luther. Oh yeah, he was, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Right, right. There's, there's chicken on the cover. All jo- <laughs> that is terrible. All jokes aside, I did feel like her characterization fell into cliche. 
right. Now I'll All go right. along with y'all that okay, there was there was a bit of an evolution by the end, but I don't I don't know why the sister got to be on the run with a bullet in her leg to 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 have a prompting that she can evolve and accept love and like why is that got them is that's only a trigger for us because it is a representation and that is what continues to be unfair for black artists. Okay. It, we shouldn't be judging it based on what it means because it's the one film of the year, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If we had a hundred or even twenty, sure. then you wouldn't be able to judge that because you'd have another film and another film and another film. And so unfortunately, that to me is the problem. It's not this character. It's a reflection of the process and it's of the a reflection machine. of the lack of diversity. Okay. Um, because it, she can't be all things. She's right. one character right. in one right. story. Right. And so she's not perfect. And to me, that's what makes the best characters yeah. is that they are not perfect like us. Right. <laughs> and, and to me, when I'm watching it, I'm kind of like even like, cause that never really hit on me. Like her decision as a, as a, an attorney that, that was appalling, but like, like <laughs> the, we the, have to run and never come back. <laughs> you passed the bar. <laughs> True. But the depiction of her as a black woman, that ne- actually never really like, like bothered me. I actually felt fine with it. And I think it's because, especially in these streaming times, I kind of like separate the worlds of movies and television. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm seeing her, but I'm also seeing characters that look like her in um, If Beale Street Could Talk, if, uh, or, but also in Insecure. So I'm seeing that diaspora of the dark black woman in front of my eyes. So her walking in being tired, actually her walking in being tired to me was like, you know, that stereotypical to me, that was like, you know, what a woman does when, you know, they don't want to just turn around in the parking lot, Mayori. You know, they want to at least, you know, right. show, show, you know, sit down. A brother, well, I guess he's there. Um, so, but then they just, you know, like, yeah, I'm tired. No, I ain't got no time to eat. Like, it's everything to rush it. You right. know, so that's how that read to me. Mm-hmm. So I was actually fine with that. You know, that felt in the moment and actually true. And then we find out about her background and like right, what right, incredible yeah. trauma she's survived. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. who wouldn't be hardened. Right. And you're a criminal defense attorney. And you're a criminal defense attorney. You know, I, I, my ex-husband uh, worked in a very challenging occupation. And I think about like what that does to a person. Right. To, to witness people at their worst mm-hmm. every day. Right. You know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of people at their worst. Bokeem Woodbine is a delight and I love him in everything he's in. Yes, he and is. I just want to... That's a reason to see the film. I, I just Bokeem in the fur. I, look, man. Look, <laughs> that was my favorite part. I know that's probably not supposed to be my favorite part, but the whole sequence at her uncle's house with Bokeem Woodbine... It was great. Super, super brings great. the most off kilter energy it's everything he does it's and the strongest section of the film it is for true. everything the yeah. india moore and the other actors oh, the so, setting of that house oh, i mean it's, it's that's an incredible sequence oh what a and it felt very much like an episode of atlanta mm. you know like the like the tonal like like the tonal nuance and how it has all those different kind of swirly colors in mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. and I, I, I love that sequence so much mm. yeah yeah we're big Bokeem Woodbine fans it's not the first time he's been shouted out on yeah. the mission um, and he's somebody who I will admittedly like I turned around on like he he has grown on me to be like you said like you just when you know he's there you're just looking for him he's like and he's bringing something he's always making he's making a choice he's he's making a choice and he's running with it, and and he's running with it, and and it's always interesting. They're always interesting. Always, you know, yeah. There's no point. There's no point. Um, uh, you, we also, real quick before we, we get out of here, we talked about the music and the soundtrack of this uh, movie, which is I really appreciate it because I think for for some time soundtracks had been 
grown to be just devalued or just be like just you know right. promotional marketing things. Right. And I think that more and more, um, not only are they be- becoming more integral to the storytelling elements of the the things which they are a part of, whether they be television or or movies, but I think they're ma- people are making more interesting choices mm-hmm. about the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that is resonant in Queen and Slim. Yeah, I mean, this soundtrack I've listened to, now that I've listened to <laughs> <laughs> probably fifty times since I've since I received it, and um, it's I think it's great. It makes me think of like when the Love Jones, you know, soundtrack yes, yes. came out or Above the Rim. It's like it's such a document, like a perfect capsule of the emotion of the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and some of the songs, you know, just from the Megan The Stallion to Lauren Hill. Yeah, um, they even found having, Lauren Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Having you know Bilal and Raphael Sadiq, I mean, it's just it's a it's a perfect soundtrack to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's beautiful. It's beautifully done, and I think separately the score is also incredible. Yes, yeah. yes. Much like you, I appreciate how deliberate the music was, mm-hmm. and but I think I think that's the one thing we've all agreed on. Like the level of craft mm-hmm. of this film is undeniable, mm-hmm. and and it's a it, it's a testament. To, to these two creators. Mm-hmm. As a filmmaker, Mayori, I'm curious. So we've talked about and we've, you know, in, in our mission to review every black film ever made, we have, um, of course, spent a, quite a bit of time in the 80s and 90s era of Spike Lee and Ernest Dickerson and um, um, John Singleton, you know, and, and and the works that came out from from there, from people that came in their wake, like Maddie Rich and and and, and people of that nature. Um, what do you think of the time period where we're in now, where you have another interesting voice being entered into the conversation with Melina Matsukas, who makes quite a, a like we have said, regardless of the conversation. It is a very provocative and well-made movie mm-hmm. in, in, in front of us. You have Lena Waithe championing. You have Ava DuVernay championing a lot of other voices. And you've had work that has hit recently, something like, you know, Sorry to Bother You, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, the work that is being done, we, we've name-checked Insecure and in, in, in Atlanta. Um what do you th- you think of this era that we are in of black creatives on film that that's like exploding in front of our eyes? <laughs> that's such a broad question. Um, I mean, I'm excited for folks like Donald Glover and um, you know, I'm trying to think of other things that have just been really brilliant at this moment. Um, and I, I, I feel like uh, the things he's been doing wouldn't have been made in the 80s and 90s. And so I'm really excited that we've been able to progress to like take those developments and that um, evolution and keep going and that we yeah. weren't necessarily yeah. starting from scratch. Um, but we still, I think even with this conversation, are still dealing with these like representational conversations and I, I wish right. we could not do that. I wish we could start talking about the works unto themselves and not talking about what they do for the race. <laughs> you know, um, I also think this is a moment to be, um, to be equitable, um, not only in terms of black folks representation, but also thinking about indigenous, Arab, Latinx, Asian, um, you know, making sure that everybody is coming to the table because, you know, the thing is our country has always been this diverse. We just pretend that it doesn't exist. Right. You know, I'm always kind of amazed where people go, well, now, you know, these migrants are coming. I'm like, they've been here. Right. Like, they've right. been here. Like, right. you can look into the literature of the 1880s. You know, that's why we have the Exclusion Act. That's why these things happen. Like, folks have been here. And I know I'm more sensitive to it being from California, but it's just... um I think you can look in Philly, right? Like we're a sanctuary city. This city is incredibly diverse and we talk about it in black and white terms. We're not talking about the other communities that are here. Um, But anyway, I mean, I think so there's a lot of conversation around equity and inclusion at this moment um, that is going beyond just black, um, the black position in that. Um, There's also, I think, a number of black and brown folks who are 
um, executives now. Yes. And mm. who are behind the camera. You know, like we think about Bradford's work as a cinematographer. Um, there are a number of black women editors that have, you know, Grammy, uh, not Grammy, <laughs> Oscar nominated, yes. you know, mm -hmm. in other positions. So I think the more we're deepening into these other spaces and not just as directors um, or even screenwriters, um, my hope is that this is then a lasting change yeah. and okay. that it no longer is a change, but it's like a lasting um, inclusion. Like inclusion is really like an inclusion right. and not a trend or sort of a moment. Um, I think when we think about the eighties and nineties, we were largely talking about directors and maybe actors, right. but this moment is like a, agents, you know, the talent managers, the yes. casting, you know, everything right. all the way right. down. Everybody's coming in. Right. And so I hope that we can stay. <laughs> and um, the costume designers, Hannah Beachler winning for production design, you know, we could keep going with like sort of where people are showing up. And I just hope that we really are able to stay. Okay. All right. Well, we of course have to ask, would you recommend Queen and Slim? <laughs> Yes, I would recommend Queen and Slim uh, for Bokeem Woodbine, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> but also for the score. And because, you know, it's super beautiful to Close see. Close your eyes and listen to the movie. <laughs> no, oh no. And I will tell and you. wait 45 minutes. 45 minutes in, open up and Bokeem Woodbine will that, be there. That is not what I said. That is not what I said. I, no, it's, it's beautifully done. I think people should definitely see it. Okay. And see it on a big screen. Absolutely. I think it is, it's a film that if you, if you hear it's this story of these kids you know, driving across and chasing from the cops, you're like, eh, do I really need to see that on a big screen? Is it like you know, Black Panther or nothing like that? But I think it's a, a film that, that um, does deserve, it's deserving of being up there on a mm -hmm. big screen. I think the sure. artistry of what is in front of you um, like you know really really like just sweeps over you on on a huge screen i so see it in the movie i heartily uh endorse going to finding queen and slim wherever you are in the theater near you and checking out this film 100 i'll be three for three i think you absolutely need to see this film i, I think it's as, as we've all said it's a, it's an amazingly well-crafted film and just on that level I think it's worth sitting in a theater and watching it and, and just just basking in the, the mastery of craft. I think it is a film that is provocative in all of the best ways because it, it does cause conversation. It does make you think. It is a film that stays with you. And while I absolutely agree with you about artisans and, and, and creators standing on their own. I am also very interested in the continuum and, and how it fits into the tradition and, and how it all fits together. If you are somebody who's not a filmmaker, like that's how I come at it. Like, how does this all fit together? And I think this is a film that is an important part of this ever expanding mosaic of black film. So for that those that for all of those reasons I I also very much recommend this film. So what's next for you, Mayori? <laughs> um, I mean, we're planning for the next Black Star. Um, we are settling on a venue um, and figuring that My out. My house is free. I'm, you know, <laughs> I've got a basement. <laughs> Do you have DCP projection? I can. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we're trying to, you know, we're settling on that. Um, Black Star itself is expanding. We're launching a journal. Um, nice. We are doing a filmmaker retreat. And then we will begin doing year-round programming. Um, and then also hopefully launching a couple of other projects to be announced later. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Tickety-dope. Tickety-dope. Well, certainly thank you for taking the time out. Oh, sure. Thank you both for yeah. your patience. And yeah. thank you for coming on this way to South Philly. <laughs> What? Come on. <laughs> Have mics, we'll travel. That's what we do. That's what we do. Thank you again, Mayor. Yeah, Thank really you appreciate much. it. Uh, and check out Black Star Film Festival. Look it up on any of your social medias. Follow them and um, support them. It, 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 they do good things. They do great things. Thank you. All right. Um, I think that's about it. Vince, this show... The Me Show Mission. We are proud members of the Podglomerate Podcast family. 
It's available for your download streaming pleasure where you found it, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, any place and every place a good podcast be. It's also available as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM, 106.5 FM, People Power Media. Philly Cam here in the city of brotherly love and you can wake up with the Michelle Mission 9am on Mondays on WKDU 91.7 FM the voice of Drexel University okie doke um, I think that's about it I believe so All right. he's Vince, I'm Len and in parting we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.